This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. With this time on my hands, you change all my plans and it really wouldn't bother us at all. And this weekend, cities across the country turned into Margaritaville as fans honored the music icon. Well, On Balance with Leland Vittert is up next. I'm Kelly Beeson in tonight for Elizabeth Vargas. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. Tonight, we're bringing you a special edition of On Balance. Labor Day, sadly, marks the unofficial end of summer and also the unofficial start of the race for 2024. The Iowa caucuses are 133 days away. Super Tuesday, 183 days out. And in 428 days from right now, Americans will decide the next president of the United States. As of tonight, 16 candidates are vying for your vote. Three Democrats, 12 Republicans, and one Independent. On the Republican side, of course, it's a race to catch former President Trump, who holds a massive lead even after the first debate, as we look at the Real Clear Politics average. Candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy saw a rise in the poll following the GOP debate, but there's still multiple double digits behind Donald Trump. Vivek's rise is due in part to his willingness to take on newly formed rivals head on. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. But the young, ambitious politician is still part of a GOP herd that hasn't been able to win over the Republican base. They've not been able to chip in to Donald Trump's lead, at least so far. As for the Democrats, President Biden holds, of course, a big lead himself. But there are growing concerns over his age. 69% of Democrats say he's too old. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson have started getting a second look. And there are still a lot of undecideds. The DNC won't be holding a primary debate, and both candidates, meaning Kennedy and Williamson, say the odds are stacked against them. Is the fix in? Well, if the DNC has their way, the fix is in. They don't call it a fix. Their narrative is, oh, this is just the tradition. We have an incumbent president, and so there are not debates. All right, so we're 14 months out from the general election, and we're starting to get a glimpse of what's most important to key voting blocks. No surprise, the economy leads the way, followed by preserving democracy, immigration, and health care. As you can see, most important issues for independent voters. Suburban women uh, in certain key swing states are the subset of those independent voters. As the 2024 race heats up, we'll be covering the candidates on the trail with them. We've already done that a few times. And tonight, we're showing you just some of our conversations with candidates of both parties. And we start with arguably the hottest in the GOP behind President Trump, 
Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek or Vivek? Vivek. Vivek, okay. We're going we're gonna to switch the promo. Uh, what, Vivek, what's the best question anybody in Iowa has asked you so far? Well, the best question is, why, what do you hope to achieve for your sons, actually? That's like the best question I frequently get. Why are you running as a parent? That comes up pretty frequently because we bring our kids on the trail. And I think it's the best question because it has nothing to do with politics, actually. It has to do with why we're going to create a country for the next generation. And that why, it's more important than anything. It's a red versus blue issue today. We're in this for the next generation. That's why I entered the race. We wouldn't have thought of this if that, we that's, our kids that's, di- that's different, though, right, for a lot of candidates, and especially candidate-wise, yeah. to, to come on the trail. What's it been like? It's been a lot of fun. It's amazing to get to see so many people who care about the future of our country, who care about where we're going, and they have kids too, and they see us. There's no option for us but to make a better country for our sons, and that's really why we're in it. You guys met met at Yale. Did you ever think you were going to be in Iowa at the state fair doing corn dogs? I do love state fairs, so that's not a big stretch of the imagination. All right, that's not a big stretch. Running for president, a little bit of a stretch? Yeah, yeah, but I've always known that this guy would go on to do something big. He cares so much about this country, and... I didn't know what shape it would take, but here we are. Monday night, News Nation Town Hall. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to unfiltered dialogue. We haven't pre-screened the questions. Great. I don't just want to hear from Republicans or Democrats. I'm not running to lead a political party. I'm running to lead a nation. And that means talking to everybody. Left, right, center, it doesn't matter. Looking forward to being in Chicago with you guys. And something I appreciate about also people who are taking attempts at doing different things in media. You know, people who are rejecting the politicized media narratives that there's only left or right-wing media. I don't think that has to stay that way. Is this guy the same guy you're with all the time at home? Yeah. Exactly the same? Since, since we Always met. in sound bites, always perfect. <laughs> I don't know about sound bites, but... She said I talk too long. <laughs> <laughs> same guy at home. Yeah. Well... As a, as a laryngologist, I'm worried about this guy's voice in general. He's going um, to... As you can tell, it's been yeah. used a lot today. It's been, it's been used a lot today. How has the campaign changed, right? I mean, we remember covering you in Iowa. You were playing tennis at Drake University. Yeah. There were tiny little crowds. We yes. have the tape. How's it changed? What's it like now that people are coming up to you? You don't have to introduce yourself anymore. I mean, I think that people here are hungry for outsiders. And so I think that's part of the reason they're flocking to our campaign. I think the message is our strength. You know, the truth is other candidates have super PACs buying up a lot of ads that don't come to Iowa that much. We're doing things a little bit differently. We're showing up. I think people are rewarding that. They're responding to the message. Frankly, I know it sounds, I just have to be honest. I mean, I'm not surprised that we're a third or second at this stage of the race. When we entered in March and it was 0.0%, many in the media were laughing at me, saying that I thought it was going to be a two-horse race pretty soon. I think that now looks much more realistic. But the truth is it's not about me or it's not about Trump or any other candidate. It's about the people of this country. It's the character of the campaign we're running. And I think if we're guided by our purpose, speak the truth at every step without poll-testing slogans, that's been our competitive advantage what got us this far. I don't intend to change that strategy now. We're going to keep doing the same thing going forward. My gut instinct is that's going to lead us to success. Either way, that's what we're going to keep doing. And I'd rather lose than lose the election and speak truth than to win by playing some political snakes and ladders. Is there something to be said of your... I don't know when to say the only guy, but one of the only guys who's not running a safe campaign. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely not running a safe campaign. No, that's you're sure. not. I think that that honesty is something that, especially people on the ground, really reward. Donald Trump is, of course, the odds-on favorite, but the poll numbers appear to miss what we are seeing at the fair. Iowa voters might tell pollsters if forced they would pick Donald Trump right now, but it is five months until the caucuses. A lot can change. In the past, certainly, a lot has changed. More importantly, most everybody we talked to said they are looking for an alternative to Trump, and for that matter, an alternative to Biden among Democrats. Of course, Trump lost the Iowa caucuses in 2016, but he does enjoy some vocal support, as Mike Pence learned on the Midway yesterday. up with Pence today, somewhere between the butter cow exhibit and the pork chop tent. I was about to bring you a lemonade uh, shake-up. <laughs> it's my favorite. That and a corn dog. I'm, uh, I've got the lemon shake-up under my belt, but i still got to come up with a corn still dog. Gotta, we, we can find a corn dog here. You can go yeah. flip some pork. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. There's nobody more engaged in the process than Iowa voters. What's the best question you've gotten so far? You know, always there's a focus on agriculture when you're in Iowa, and I think it gives people great confidence that uh, I come from an agricultural state in Indiana. I get it. I understand the, the role that agriculture plays in the life of our economy, the challenges that people are facing, particularly under the Biden administration's failed policies. I had a question today about, the, you know, the lack of any effort to expand exports by this administration. And... Uh, I think people know that if I have the privilege of being president of the United States, Leland, I'm going to, I'm going to be a champion for people in the city and on the farm, but they know that Mike Pence understands agriculture. Yeah, the urban-rural divide in America may be bigger right now than the, than the political divide. I couldn't help but notice yesterday there were some people who came by and were, were yelling, at, yelling at you and shouting at you. If you'd had a chance to sit down and talk to them, what would you like to have said? Oh, I'd, you know, look, uh, I always say that's what freedom sounds like. Right? Fair enough. People are entitled to their opinions, but they're not entitled to their facts. And I frankly welcome the opportunity, as we had again yesterday with with one attendee at a at a soapbox I was standing on speaking, who asked me about the stand that I took on January 6th. Yes. Um, my question is this: Why did you commit treason on January 6th and not stand? And as you and I have talked, I think the Constitution is very clear what my duty was that day, the chance to encourage people to look fresh, because I know the American people love our Constitution, and uh, the chance to make that case with people is always a privilege. If you're elected president January 20th of 2025, you're going to take the oath of office not far from the events of January 6th, where you were on January 6th. What would you say on that day to the country to try and bring us back from where we are at now and where we were then? Well, I would say that there will always be more that unites us in this country than could ever divide us. Chief among those things is faith uh, and a belief in our ideals. And uh, I also believe the American people long for us to restore a threshold of civility in public life, Leland. You know, you know, once you get 15 miles out of Washington, D.C., the American people actually get along pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, real America is a little more civil than it is there. No, it's the truth. The American yeah. people know how to disagree without being disagreeable. And uh, 
You know, I'm going to stand firmly on the conservative agenda. Speaking of a conservative agenda, and you've been a man of faith and principle for a long time. I've covered you since you were in the House. Uh, one thing you've been utterly consistent on is the issue of a, of a pro-life agenda. Does the results in Ohio and the, the voters speaking pretty resoundly, even in a Republican state, that you and President Trump carried twice, about the issue of abortion, does that speak to you or inform you at all, change your views, soften things? Look, I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. There are things that are more important than politics. And having the opportunity now to restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law, I think, is a historic opportunity in our country, David. Uh, but look, I, I honestly believe that when you look at the recent midterm elections, men and women that stood with principle and compassion on behalf of the sanctity of life did very well. And I, I, I reject the notion that, that standing for the unborn, standing with women in crisis pregnancies is a political loser. To me, it's all about standing without apology for the right to life, but also standing with compassion uh, with women in crisis pregnancies, with advancing reforms like adoption reform in the country. And I believe that's how we can win hearts and minds and move our nation ever closer to the day that we restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law. Thank Good you, to see you, Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Appreciate it. Trump's decision to skip the GOP debate is headline news, but the DNC's decision to skip holding debates altogether flies under the radar. A candidate polling higher than nearly every GOP hopeful tells us the fix is in. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We are now right before Labor Day, the year before the presidential election. This is when the presidential campaign really begins. And every day now, it's more likely President Biden will face significant challengers from inside his own party. A new Associated Press poll shows 69% of Democrats, of Democrats, say Mr. Biden is too old for another four years. And that bears worth repeating, because every day now for President Biden, even from his own party, there appears to be growing amounts of bad news. 69% of Democrats say Mr. Biden is too old for re-election. And Bernie Sanders didn't really show up in New Hampshire this weekend to rally support for Joe Biden. Democrats, at least the DNC and President Biden supporters, don't like what's going on. It's why aides to Kamala Harris leaked to NBC News over the weekend. Biden advisors bristle at Gavin Newsom's plan to debate DeSantis. Vice President Kamala Harris's allies are particularly annoyed by the California governor's move into the spotlight ahead of the possible 2028 Democratic nomination fight. Of course, our hypothesis is there might be a 2024 nomination fight. And we know that because if Mr. Biden is running, the Newsom-Kamala fight doesn't matter. But it does matter. Because Democrats aren't really sure if Mr. Biden is the right choice. Newsom Watch, which we have been on for months now, is a real thing. By example after example, the California governor is getting ready. Maybe not for a primary challenge, but he's getting ready to, to be on deck, to just be ready if he's needed. 
Of course, the Biden campaign shot the report by NBC News down, which tells us everything. You leak to NBC and then you shoot it down. Untrue reports really don't matter. True reports about uncomfortable topics cut deep, as this did. Chief Washington correspondent Blake Berman uh, is with us now. I thought what was most interesting about this poll was not where Joe Biden was necessarily, but the 23 percent of yeah. Democrats still say they're undecided. This is the leader of the Democratic Party. He occupies the White House. He is running for re-election, Leland, and 23 percent uh, within his own party, as you mentioned. That is one in four Democrats say they are undecided. It, it goes back to the polling uh, that you just brought up of his age, of course, and, and all those real concerns. Um, but as we sit out here, let's sit here right now, 23% is a staggering number any way you, you look at it. Look, I spoke to the um, uh, Biden campaign official today about this NBC story with Gavin Newsom. I'll tell you this much. I didn't really sense any sort of concern from the Biden campaign as it relates to Gavin Newsom. They said when it comes to the debates, Right. There's this debate going on between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis that might take place. I was actually told that uh, the Newsom team ran this by Biden advisors and they said, look, uh, go on out there, go debate Ron DeSantis. It was essentially done with the blessing of the advisors of the president. And then it was uh, also noted to me, look, when President Biden went out west, of course, he had that the right, California swing and the, yeah. he saw Gavin I Newsom. I guess the, the question to me, though, is it's one thing for the Biden team to be fine with it, because if Biden gets out, they don't really care. It's if the Kamala team is OK with it, because Gavin Newsom is is the main competition there. Uh, Democrats problems with President Biden age. The Hunter Biden thing is now starting to become an issue. Approval numbers, likability, cares about people like me all down. Lingering economic issues now yep. now a problem. Did I mention the age problem, which, interestingly enough, Crane Jean-Pierre uh, now that the president's back from vacation, took a question on that today. Take a listen. In many ways, this president has been able uh, to do things that is going to change um, how American families move forward, uh, whether it is economic, with economy, whether it's health care, whether, um, you know, it is trying to make sure that they are able uh, to uh, to give to their, you know, do what they can for their family, for their kids. Uh, that is important. And so that's what we will happily, happily to discuss as we as it relates to age, what the president has been able to do and how he's been able to deliver. What's he been able to deliver is different than what's he able to do on the campaign trail. And you've got the White House saying, hey, look at all the accomplishments, but don't report on the fact that he uses the mini stairs on Air Force One because they don't want him up the big stairs. Does one or two events a day at most. Lots of vacations isn't out on the campaign trail. And this would be the question. I, I know you talked to some folks down in South Carolina where Robert F. Kennedy's getting real crowds. Yeah. How how concerned maybe not is the White House, but is the sort of Democratic elite of not what will happen, but what could happen? Look, that is the canned answer from the White House. Right. We've heard this before. Don't don't worry about, you know, the age is, is a number. Right. Go look at the accomplishments. The problem for the White House is there are a lot of Republicans who are saying, yeah, fine. Let's talk about the accomplishments. Let's talk about inflation. Let's talk about where the economy is. Let's let's talk about all those sorts of things. So, you know, the White House can say, let's talk about that. Don't look look here. Don't look there. The other part of it is the reality is you every single poll shows this, Leland. Age is a big worry. No matter what the White House is going to say, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent, it is a huge worry for voters. And as it relates to South Carolina, yeah, I was uh, talking to the RFK Jr. campaign today. They say, look, 
he's getting real crowds. Uh, it, was, it was noted to me earlier last week, some 600 people showing up at an event. Before that, it was 400. So they're saying, look, we're moving in yeah. the right direction. And, and when I pushed back a little bit and said, well, do you have to win? Right. Because at the end of the day, if Joe Biden goes in and wins South Carolina, he wins the first state. He's the sitting president of the United States. He's the leader of the Democratic Party. See ya. Let's talk about the Republicans. And they said to me, you know, if we do well, 40 percent, you know, might might be a good number. But that's obviously the, the part for RFK Jr. that, that they got to look into. Teddy Kennedy also didn't need to win the nomination either to, <laughs> to have uh, to have an un, unfavorable result for the president. It's good to see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. For all the pearl-clutching and hand-wringing about Donald Trump skipping the Republican presidential debate, we haven't heard boo from the advocacy media on the left about Joe Biden refusing to debate. Yeah, yeah, of course, he's the sitting president, but polling shows both Marianne Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy far ahead of many Republicans in their respective primary. RFK is at 13%. On the Republican side, that puts him ahead of everybody but Trump and DeSantis. Marianne Williamson polls at 9%. That's far above Pence, Haley, Scott, Christie, and the rest of the unlikely Republican candidates. Yet President Biden gets a pass. In fact, the Network Sunday shows won't even book RFK Jr. or Williamson. Chris Christie's at 3%. Of course, he gets invited on all the time. Nikki Haley, 4%, of course. But Marianne Williamson at 9% can't even get an interview, except here. We're glad that she is with us this evening. It's nice to see you, ma'am. We appreciate it. Uh, Is the fix in? Well, if the DNC has their way, the fix is in. They don't call it a fix. Their narrative is, oh, this is just the tradition. We have an incumbent president, and so there are not debates. But the American, uh, the Democratic voters are not happy with this. The uh, majority of Democratic voters have said that they want to see debates, uh, just like the Republicans had the other night. The Republican electorate should see what their choices are, and so should the Democrats. So, unfortunately, right now, the DNC is saying that there will be no debates. Debates, but uh, you're not the only one mentioning that something's a little wrong with that and people are noticing. All right. Uh, polling, should Joe Biden step aside in 2024? Overall, 67 percent, no, 22 percent. Dems, yes, 56 percent, no, 33. Independents, 69 percent, no, 19 percent. Obviously a lot higher for um, Republicans. Uh, what what do you think it is that 56% of Democrats say that the sitting Democratic president should step aside, and yet the DNC that is supposed to represent Democrats, not supposed to represent the president, uh, doesn't seem fit to have a debate? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The traditional role of the political party is to stand in the background, let the voters decide. It's called a democracy. It's called elections. The Democratic electorate should decide who the nominee will be. At that point, the DNC should come forward. And the fact that they're not, and as you said, there's a real disconnect there between the expressed uh, voices of the Democrats saying, hey, we want to see other uh, other voices, other choices. They should be making the decision. And then you have the DNC... you know, George Washington, when in his farewell address, warned us about political parties. He said that they could they could foster factions of men who were more concerned with their party than with their country. And this is a realization of his uh, of exactly what he warned us about. I mean, I am running as a Democrat. I have the traditional values of the Democratic Party. I think of myself as a Roosevelt Democrat. I want to see the Democratic Party return to its roots as the unequivocal advocate, uh, unabashed for the working people of the United States. But at this point, it's much like you were saying earlier. This isn't even about Democrat versus Republican. You were pointing that out. 
This is about a political class. This is not about left versus right. It's about powerful versus powerless. It's about those who represent forces of capital and the ways to more easily achieve capital Mm -hmm. versus those who are just struggling to get by. That's the new populism. It's expressing itself on both sides of the political aisle. And that's what uh, both major political parties are going to have to deal with. I'm stunned by by the media, especially on the left. We try to cover both sides fairly here. Um, the viewers can decide whether we do that or not, but we, we make an effort. Uh, others do not. But I'm surprised by the the group, the, the advocacy media on the left that makes no bones about them, them being on the left, who talk so much about the importance of democracy and yet are unwilling to allow the democratic or encourage the democratic process to play out. I'm wondering if... What you think would happen if hosts on MSNBC started calling for a real debate? I don't know if they keep their job. Listen, what Fox is to the GOP, uh, MSNBC and too often CNN have become to the DNC. That's just the way it is. And I think Americans are seeing it. And that's why other networks and independent media are becoming so popular with people. There's a distrust of the of the mainstream media, the corporate owned mainstream media, because that's who these parties in their corporatist element represent. They represent corporate interests. Those corporate interests are not only the donors to our politicians, but they are the sponsors on these news shows. And basically, the two major political parties, they are themselves a corporate interest. It's not just that they chop wood and carry water for the corporation. They are giant corporations, and that the American people are starting to see. You know, I don't care if you're rural or you're urban, if you're right or you're left, where everybody's being screwed by the same people. If they are in jobs, if they are in lives where they have to work more than one job, they don't have you, they don't have health care, they can't send their kids to college. They don't even uh, live, some of many people living less than $15 an hour. One third of America's workforce works on less than $15 an hour. Half of them cannot find a place to live. Less than uh, half of our seniors living at $25,000 and less a year. One in four Americans living with medical debt. This is not about right versus left, but it is about a political that, that represents interests that are not really advocating for the American people. Right. It, it, it's sort of about fair and unfair at this point. Um, it's about the ultra rich and, and I agree everybody with else. that. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, Thank you. Well, feel free to steal it. Um, I, uh, I, I wonder I wonder, though, what's happening with um, what's happening right now with Donald Trump in, in your take on this, because it, it would appear as though a lot of folks on the left, and, and you're a Democrat, so I don't have a problem asking you about this, a lot of folks on the left view him as this existential threat but can't stop talking about him. Take a listen. Oh, here we go. Keep going, Red. So what we're just going to be monitoring his remarks and bring to you. And by the way, uh, he commented uh, on the tarmac. He continued to make dishonest claims about the election. Uh, We're not going to play it. Uh, It's not worth hearing. You've heard them all uh, before. Um, Not many of the claims, just not true. It's a self-reporting. But it's a self-reporting. Yeah. So he's lost 25 pounds since he was president, is, is what we're understanding. I don't believe he actually was weighed. We're told that um, that his staff filled out that form in advance, which is why he's listed at yeah. a height of 6'3", 215, which probably hasn't been since, uh, since the Wharton School of Finance. So the president there 
I'm not sure if we're going to see him at a combine. But the, he lines right right up with them. Right up with Height those people. And, and but let me tell Come you. Come on now. Does anybody believe he weighs 215? I'll go first. No. 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 I've stood next to him many times. I'm about 6'4". Maybe he's 6'1". How does that, how does that, how does, how does Strawberry end up on a Well, that's a, that's a good question. Not, not something I would. Strawberry Blonde. I, okay, I've never seen strawberry as an option on any on any form. So I also like the self-reporting of strawberry blonde hair. I thought that was a nice flourish, <laughs> flourish as well instead of, instead of just a saying blonde. Strawberry blonde. Yeah. Wildly, wildly off. Why? Why do you think they have so much time to talk about Donald Trump's weight and hair, and no time, evidently, to interview you? Well, why they're not interviewing? Uh, me, you and I have already covered. It's because I'm challenging their corporate bottom line. The corporate bottom line set is a governing principle which says that short-term profits for huge corporate interests should come before the health and safety and well-being of the American people, that economic values should come before humanitarian and democratic values. I'm challenging that. And so they are chopping wood and carrying water for those who don't want to hear that. They have a predetermined conversation, a predetermined set of people that they think we should all consider qualified to effectuate the necessary changes. And so everyone can see this is why they don't want to have debates. This is why their preferred news channels that they basically just dictate to aren't having someone like me on. Now, as far as the president is concerned, I'm old enough to remember Watergate, and I assure you that's all anybody was talking about at that time, too. I mean, this is a huge story, obviously. But I think that no matter whether we are Democrats or Republicans, we should remember that the judiciary must be kept separate from politics. And so all of our all of our chatter, whether it's about Trump's hair, whether it's yeah, I about— can, I can almost... Yeah, I, I can almost imagine there's probably some Republican candidates who feel a little bit the way you do. Um, and that is sort of the fix is in because of how much coverage one candidate gets versus they do. Uh, as we pointed out, you're at 9 percent. There's a lot of Republicans who are below that um, who would certainly like to, to to get some visibility. It's good to see you, Marianne, as always. Thank you. Uh, Thank we'll have you, you back Thank for you sure. So much. Um, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Trump's challengers band together in an effort to keep the former president out of office. And they have big money backing and money from political donors. But what happens to the candidates who vow to support the nominee if it turns out to be Trump? One of his staunchest critics is with us next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watching News Nation. News for all America. Labor Day marks the end of summer and the real beginning of the presidential race, despite 330 million other Americans as options. It appears right now Donald Trump and Joe Biden will get their party's nominations right now. And one of the reasons for that is the sheer number of Republicans in the race. Trump's lead is formidable, but not insurmountable. We learned that from 2016, though, that Trump versus the field, a large field, he likely wins. Trump versus one person it's a different choice. 
does change the race. To that end, the National Review just wrote, drop out Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson is a fine public servant who never should have run for president and is unfortunately demonstrating every day, or at least every time someone remembers he is running with us now. Arkansas's former governor, Asa Hutchinson. The National Review thing I don't think is fair. We'll get to it in a, in a minute. But in a larger sense, right, at what point does the large group of Republicans who either want to be an alternative to Donald Trump or view Donald Trump as an existential threat, and this continuum, have to coalesce around one person? What's the drop-dead date to give the American people, to give Republicans a choice? Well, it's down the road. Everybody wants to see the end of the book. They want to see the finale before we actually get to the second chapter. And uh, we're in the second chapter of this race. And so let's give the voters a chance. And as I've said, this is one of the most unpredictable. It is the most unpredictable political season in my lifetime. Nobody knows how this is going to turn out. You compare it to 2016, you didn't have four indictments uh, in 2016. You didn't have the turmoil uh, that you have now. You didn't have the age of the two leading candidates that you had in 2016. You didn't have the, didn't have the current president under investigation, uh, or son right. under investigation. We can, we can go down the list. No, look, look this, is, this is sort of a wild time in America, granted. Why do you think in times of such enormous turmoil, does a man who very successfully led Arkansas, I remember talking to you for a long time while you were governor, uh, grew that state's economy, had huge successes there, huge successes in terms of bringing people together and not going to create crazy land on either end of the cultural culture wars. Why is someone sort of so oddly normal, so under polling or, or, or uh, unable to get any traction among Americans who say they're fed up with the craziness? Well, I'm doing this because it's extremely important to our country. There's a lot at stake, both for the Republican Party, but our country most importantly. And whenever you look at the uh, debate that we just had, we got a bump out of that. Uh, we're going to qualify for the second debate that's coming up in uh, the Reagan Library. And uh, that was my first opportunity to introduce myself to America as a former governor, as someone who served in high positions on national security issues. And so... Uh, that's the first opportunity. We haven't got into paid media yet. And so uh, we're going to qualify also in terms of the polling numbers. So whenever you look at we had 12 or more candidates, we had eight on the debate stage. We'll see how many we have in Simi Valley at the next debate. But I think it's going to naturally come together and consolidate. So Francis Suarez, who was not on the debate stage, then then dropped out. You make the point that things are so predictable, unpredictable, because of Donald Trump's four indictments. Yet we've seen time and time again, but even more assertively this time, him defy political gravity, which is you get indicted, you go spend time with your family. You don't go up in the polls as he has. You don't continue to get huge fundraising halls. Do you really hope that or do you believe that you can change the minds of even 25 percent of the people who are supporting him right now? I don't know how this is going to play out. Okay. But I know that we can't win in 2024 with Donald Trump leading the ticket. I know that there's too much controversy. I know that he will not uh, lead our country in the right direction uh, whenever he has a revenge agenda ahead of him. And so we have to have a change. Now, uh, 
Aren't those, for, forgive the interruption, aren't those two different arguments, though? And I, I've heard the argument he can't win, although right now when you poll it, which is the only metric we have, he either ties Biden, and in a lot of swing states tie, is well within the margin of error, he, he really can win. People said that in 2016, he can't win. He did. Those are, aren't those two different arguments? Well, the argument is he can't win. You're saying the polling is going to be static and it's going to be the way it is now six months from now. I'm saying here that I don't believe that's the case. Okay, but, but why, what, why is it going to change? Every indictment he's gone up in polling, he's gone up in fundraising. What's going to change that trend? Well, what will change that trend is when, as people realize that uh, he is not going to be successful you're going to see his numbers go down over time. I've been to Iowa. You were there at mm-hmm. Iowa State Fair. And the polling does not reflect the conversations you have on the ground. And so True. I could be wrong on this. But all I know is that I'm not going to stand back and say, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, you deserve four more years in the White House. And I believe so is this personal the, to you? I, it's, it's personal to the country. And the American people deserve to have an alternative for the future. Now, I might not be the beneficiary of all the argument. Uh, If Trump declines, maybe those votes go to somewhere else. But I showed on the debate stage that I'm ready to be president of the United States. We're going to have another another opportunity in a month at Simi Valley at the debate at the Reagan Library. So let's see how this plays out. But whenever you're looking at the threats that face our country, of internally, economically, externally, from China to Iran. These are serious times, and it takes serious leaders. I've demonstrated seriousness seriousness in addressing these issues, and I think we can make that case on the debate stage. Well, and to, to, be, to be fair, your record in Arkansas speaks for itself in terms of what you were able to do. If, if someone could do for America what you did for Arkansas uh, over the next four years, we'd be in a lot better spot. It's good to see you, Governor. Thank you, Lee. Thank you very much. Anti-Trump Republicans may have a bigger problem than the former president themselves. Do other candidates need to get out of their own way and rally around a credible alternative? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pretty remarkable thing is happening in American politics. For the first time, Republicans who say they hate Donald Trump, who call him an existential threat to democracy, blah, 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 are getting noticed by voters. Of course, the media always love them, but voters now are paying attention. Self-described Trump, de- Trump dethroner Chris Christie just passed Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire. He is at 9%. Says something. Of course, if we were going to look at the national polling, Trump has the race under lock and key, but it's still very, very early. Trump holds a 40% lead, according to the Real Clear Politics average, but polls have been wrong before. Of course, just ask Mr. Trump in 2016. With each indictment, though, Trump's poll numbers have shot up, not down. These are numbers from before Georgia, but the pattern there is very, very strong. 
Former Congressman Will Hurd is here, also part of the Never Trump Republican Caucus running for president. It's good to see you, sir. It's been a long time. All right. Um, am I right that all of a sudden you're, you and others who are sort of the anti-Trump Republicans are getting noticed and getting interest? Uh, I don't think it's, it's a new phenomenon. Here's the bottom line. Um, we're 25 weeks out. This is a long way away. I was in New Hampshire um, earlier last week. Last weekend, I was block walking, and somebody asked me, um, is Donald Trump running for re-election? Uh, not everybody is doom-scrolling on social media or consuming political news. Uh, the reality is, is when you look across America, there are more people uh, that want someone other than Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Uh, that's where the real opportunity and where the majority of Americans are. And, and, and people want someone who's articulating a vision uh, for the future. Um, even folks that like um, Donald Trump, that have voted for him the last two times, they recognize that all this legal baggage is having a problem. Folks that look at Joe Biden and the problem he has with Hunter Biden, um, and, and they realize okay, fair, that fair enough. Look, no, you're can, not going to get any argument from me. Case, we need somebody else. Yeah. No, you're not going to get any argument from me in a country of 330 million people that we can't find two people better than Donald Trump and Joe Biden, uh, both both either over 80 or nearing 80 and with their own significant issues uh, that have that have been exposed uh, to run run this country. But this would be my question. We look at we look at the polling, especially in New Hampshire. and That's where people pay uh, more attention, just like in Iowa. All right. Uh, Trump, 49, Christie, nine, DeSantis, eight, Scott, eight. Burgum four, Haley four, Ramaswamy three, Johnson two, Pence one, Heard one, undecided thirteen percent. You combine everybody but Donald Trump into one candidate, and you could have a real race, and you could have a real conversation, and you could really focus the spotlight on the issues that you just talked about as it relates to Donald Trump. For all those people like yourself who say Donald Trump is an existential threat to democracy, I'm not going to argue one way or the other. Wouldn't it be a lot easier to beat him if you all just got behind one of you rather than kept splitting the vote? Sure. And, and look, I think Governor Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, said it best that when it comes to winter, um, if there's not a pathway to victory, then people need to start consolidating. And I, and I think that's absolutely right. The, the reality, though, is, you know, the Republican Party, we should have a competition of ideas and we should have these debates. This is uh, why we're having the first debate next week on the, the 23rd in Milwaukee. And, but I think that, that, that you're right. That logic makes sense. Uh, the closer, getting a little bit closer to election time when people are starting to pay attention. Most people right now are just coming back and having their kids go back to school, getting no, off I, of, I, look, uh, the fair, summer break. Hold on. I, I, I want to get not, one. Not first. Let me get, I, I get that idea. I also understand the idea that just by sh mm. sort of the sheer din of dilution, Okay. The sooner it becomes a one-on-one -on -one race in any situation, the more likely it is that Trump isn't the inevitable nominee. It's just math and and sort of the reality of American politics, is it not? Well, well, come on, Leland. We, we, we've you know you said in the in the lead up, we should learn that polling. We learned back in 2016, polling is only a snapshot in time. Uh, these are the same arguments people were making two weeks ago before Ohio, before that ballot initiative, when folks said it was going to pass very you know in a very narrow margin, and that you know that this was something that was going to it was going to pass by it was like 42.1 percent to to 41 percent, and end up getting beat by 18 percent. These are the same people uh, that said in 2022 
knew that no, Kevin I'm McCarthy was going to have a 30 to 35 uh, majority vote the weekend before the actual election. And we know it ended up five. And these are also the same pollsters yeah, that said a black Republican no, you, you, you're, no, you're making Latino point. district didn't have a chance. No, I'll, no, it's an excellent it's an excellent point. Uh, if, if, if polls really worked well, then we wouldn't have to have elections and go through this all the time. Uh, Congressman, it's good to see you. You're welcome on the program anytime, especially here in D.C. It's good to see you. As we reflect on the unofficial end of summer, a few thoughts on where we're headed next. The race for 2024 is now in high gear. Sadly, today marks the unofficial end of summer. When I see it tomorrow, things are going to feel different. It's going to be more serious. As we start to see shorter days, football, voters will be unable to escape the constant conversation about 2024. We started the show by saying the Iowa caucuses are 133 days away. Super Tuesday, 193. And 428 days from now, Americans will decide the next president of the United States. We'll be there for every step of the way, on the road with the candidates vying for your trust and votes and covering the pending legal issues affecting the former president and the current president's son. There's a lot of news to come. But for now, we leave you with pictures of one of America's great summer destinations as summer comes to a close. Mackinac Island in Michigan, known for its beautiful beaches and incredible walking. Enjoy your Labor Day. Chris is next. We're going to start with our primetime exclusive interview. 34-year-old Nikki Brass, okay, former escort, says she dated the Gilgo Beach serial murder suspect Rex Huerman in 2015 on Long Island. The night was so scary. She was so desperate to get away from this guy. Uh, and she says, you know, by the way, it wasn't that easy. So unnerving that she's kept telling the story 